Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. All right. So, I mean, it's it's a different type of a festive season, isn't it? Um, usually at this time of the year, there would be a lot of buzz. People would be out and about. We wouldn't have a pandemic. Well, in my lifetime, we wouldn't have a pandemic. We've got one now. And so much has changed because of this pandemic. And I, I really, when I listen to the news about what is happening in the tourism industry, I shudder. And I've decided to, to speak to someone who's been writing a lot about what is happening in the tourism industry, Unati Hanama, who is a lecturer at Tswane University of Technology uh, on tourism. And just to talk about how bad it is at the moment, or maybe we've started to see a recovery. Unati, thank you so much for talking to us. Good afternoon. Always a pleasure. So, Onati, it's it's an it's a difficult it's a difficult one for me to assess because I would have said to you when we were hitting September, December is going to look like a good one. You know, we we're going to start seeing some recoveries, but we're now on a second wave, and um, our beaches are closed. What does this mean for the tourism industry? Uh, it basically means that possibly seventy percent of the revenue for the tourism value chain has been lost for the rest of the year twenty twenty. And the losses are, are much more deeper because it happens uh, during our festive season. Because mm. remember, if you look at tourism operators, the bulk of uh, travel happens during you know the, the, the Easter period, the June holidays, September holidays, and then at December, like from October up until early January. That's the time when they make the most amount of time because of the high levels of seasonality. So that means that for the, actually the whole year, the industry has been under, you know, the shoulder season where basically people have not been coming. And that has got serious implications because it means that not just the mamas and the fathers who work in the restaurants, we also speak about the farmer who supplies food. I mean, mm. just outside of, 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 you know, Sun City, there are, you know, developing black farmers who have exclusive contracts to provide food to a place like, such as Sun City. So, I mean, the whole year they couldn't provide food. So there are much more uh, compelling issues. Uh, the, 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 the regulations, and I'm not saying government is irresponsible, mm. but, I'm, but I'm just saying, for example, for a person who does an Uber, who, I mean, it's a family car, they say, you know, guys, in the evening I'll, do, I'll drive the Uber car just to make an additional income. The lot of regulations and the curfew mean that the nighttime economy of clubs, pubs, and restaurants cannot operate. That means also these people cannot be able to make an additional income. So none of us have, have, have actually hoped that we have a pandemic, but we, I, I believe that we have to coexist by ensuring that we reduce the number of people that get infected. But for the tourism industry, we have been very, very hard hit, honestly. You've been talking about alternatives, Unati, over the, the past couple of months where you are insisting that we need to see this differently. We need to start quickly um, changing what we, we view as tourism. I, I'm hearing when we speak about, for instance, the Guardian Route, that 50% of those um, particular uh, outlets, whether it's Airbnbs, whether it is um, uh, hotels and restaurants, they, they're saying the forecast is that none of them, some of them will not come back. So this this is just the, the final nail of the coffin. They're not going to come back. What do you think can save where we are right now? How do we think we can save the tourism industry right now? Well, I think I think at a basic level, I think your, your your small town, I think your small rural towns have an opportunity right now to put themselves on the map. You know, to say we are far from the major centers. 
Not many people come and congregate here. You can come on a holiday here, on a short break here. We are much more safer. You are it's highly unlikely that you'll get infected here because there are lower numbers of people. But again, that also depends on the competence of municipalities. And for the past 10 years, the tourism industry has said the biggest challenge we have is the failure of local government, which then impacts on tourism. But I, I once again, am a big believer in the sharing economy and companies such as Uber, such as Airbnb. And there's what is called your Airbnb experiences, where I can curate an experience in Soweto and say, let me show the unseen side, the unfriendly side of Soweto. And then people will be interested in that. So I believe we have to be, we have to think outside of the box. And I believe the sharing economy provides us that platform. The number of tourists that will come to South Africa for the next possible 12 months will never reach the potential because year on year we usually attract around about 9 million tourists. I believe we'll attract less than 3 million mm. for the year 2021. Mm. But again, it gives us an opportunity on how, how do you prepare for the future? Because you have to prepare for the future today. I mean, it sounds such as Rustenberg. How does Rustenberg start packaging itself and say, why don't you come for a short break in Rustenberg? Because everybody goes from Joburg, Pretoria goes to Hartley Pierce, but they never go on the other side of the town. You know, how does a town such as Tosinvaba, which has got the best place of, of, of Chris Hardy, start to package itself. So th- this is a serious level of where, where we have to introspect and say, let us start communicating with our public and say, these are the one-on-one things to do in Pretoria and inform everybody. Because I believe the biggest issue that we have is that we have got a tourism industry that thinks in the mind of the minority and has been unable to speak to the vast majority. Hmm. I'll give you a classical example. Why do the airlines not market themselves at taxi ranks? Because taxi ranks is where the vast bulk majority of our people travel. Because at the end of the day, people are rushing right now to Wanderer Street in Johannesburg. People are rushing towards Jerusalem Street in, in Pretoria. And these people could be on a flight quicker to Durban had these airlines started to understand how do I engage in township economics? How do I speak to the black consumer? And I believe the black consumers got money and money to spend, but I believe the ability of the tourism industry to speak to the black consumer is lacking. And that is what we speak when we say that the tourism industry thinks in a minority mind, which is quite unfortunate. Um, what you're saying makes sense to me. Uh, w- when you bring these things up, because you've been writing a lot and you, ga- you engage a lot with the sector, is there an uptake? Do they hear you? What's the resistance about? I, I, I believe the resistance is about spending power. I, I, I believe um, COVID has got many implications for us. Uh, there is a rapid uh, immigration of the middle class in South Africa. And the tourism sector will have to be faced with the truth come January, March, when it is very, very clear that the way we're operating for the past 24 years cannot be the same. The black consumer has to be taken seriously, and hotels and the entire tourism value chain has now an opportunity to clearly face the needs of the black consumer. And if we, if we fail that, if we fail that, then the black consumer will consume things that companies speak to the black person. For example, black people will have three or four federal policies, and then you ask, Braga, I got to die three times. That is because these companies <laughs> have been able to clearly understand the black needs and been able to tap through their marketing to ensure that the black consumer thinks about them. But in the tourism industry, we don't do that. But I believe the reality come 
2021 will be very, very pornographic. You have to fight a with the black consumer. And I think, I mean, organizations out there, Black Business Council, you know, Black Management Forum, I think there's a greater opportunity for engagement with the sector about how it's not meeting the black needs. And not just the black needs in South Africa. I mean, look at the whole of Africa, which is coming to consume in South Africa. I mean, look at France or poor countries that are coming to consume our beautiful country. So I believe it's a much more deeper conversation that we need to have as a sector. It's, I mean, it's quite a sobering one um, because you're saying, you know, this is where we need to be going. And can the sector that you're talking to um, save the tourism industry? Yes, I believe so. I believe so. Um, I believe, I believe it's all about curating what is unique. Mm. You know, it's all about curating what is unique because for far too long, I mean, you, you go, if you look at how South Africa is packaged, especially internationally, we are packaging colonial tourism and we don't need that. You know, and that's why the millennials, the young people, 25 to 35, that's why they are engaging so much with, with your, with your traditional, uh, traditional black owned townships because they understand that you cannot just come to South Africa and go see the animals, go Kruger, go Gai Gai, without engaging with the uniqueness of the experience, the uniqueness of the lived experience of the black people the uniqueness of our apartheid heritage, of which we as South Africans are not doing much to market, of which I could be a great killer compared to what other countries are doing about that. But I believe as a sector, we'll have to respond. And I believe we have got a very, very great minister, but I think there's much more greater collaboration with the sector about how the future is. But I think the most important thing is that a lot of black people are now becoming operators. They are now defining the future for themselves instead of waiting for your traditional white-owned enterprises to come to Gokasi. So I believe the future is Gokasi. It's about curating what is unique. And for us to indicate that we can still be globally competitive by giving our own unique story. And that's what tourists want. You know, mm. you don't want to come to South Africa and go and eat your cakes. You want to go and eat what is unique about South Africa so that when you've got a conversation about your experience, about the South African experience, you can be able to articulate, which is quite clear that you were in this country. You did experience this great land at the southern tip of Africa. Let's talk, Unati, about the genuine concerns and the, the genuine threats because you would also find that um, there are other things that don't speak to how well this can be packaged. So um, an Uber an Uber trip to, say, Tembisa. As you hit Tembisa and you go into maybe the busy corner, then there are all kinds of uh, security threats that um, are not not necessarily that they're real, but you would get your tracking devices telling you that you're going into an unsafe area. Um, all kinds of other little barriers that are in the way of us exploiting and, and really exploring what is possible in, let's say, the township tourism sector. What can be done about those? Those what what would I would deem to be real threats i mean i'm sure there are more i think there are more i think i think if you go to chicago the, the tourism authorities will tell, will tell you in chicago these are the safe areas to visit and these are not the safe areas to visit if you go to brazil the brazilians will take you to the most poorest areas to the favelas and the favelas are a representation of our township experiences but when the people arrive in the favelas, then they realize that this perception of safety and security is actually not real. We're actually much more safer here. So I believe a constant communication, a constant engagement that the townships are generally safe, just like any other destination in the world. I think that will do us in the right direction. But I believe the most important thing is for us to own the tourism value chain so that we own the operators, so that we 
own these uh, companies that bring that, that these fat companies that come here so that we can start to narrate our own experiences and again the most important issue we have never discussed in this country is that a lot of our fellow white south africans have never experienced the township you know a lot of our fellow south africans have never had a proper engagement with the township you know it's as if it's still a no-go area and I think they're missing out on such a great understanding of our historical injustices, but for them to also have got a deeper understanding and appreciation of our great country. So so what I was asking you also was, so what, what do you then see as, as threats? With all these wonderful opportunities, what do you think, what do you see as threats to, to where we should be going? I think the first threat South Africa is airlift. We need airlines to come to South Africa and uh, because we opened our borders quite late, a lot of airlines were indicating that they might not come to South Africa till the year 2021. Yeah. So I believe the issue of airlift is important. Number two, the issue of visas is very, very important. A lot of French or Paul countries, such as Cameroon, would indicate to you that it is easier to get an American visa than get a visa to South Africa. So South Africa has become a fortress when it, the issue of visas, whereas we want to promote tourism in those countries. So I believe the issue of visa friendliness, visa openness, is an issue we have to look at. And the third issue, obviously, is the issue of safety and security. We must ensure, first and foremost, that the typical South African is safe in their own house before we are Google Gaga about the safety of tourists. So safety must be a dividend enjoyed by the typical South African before it can be enjoyed by the tourists. And then that means then then safety will become something that all of us enjoy. So those are the three things that I believe are remain such challenges that impact negatively on the tourism industry. The collaboration between, let's say, transport, as you said, you've brought up the transport issue, um, the Ministry of, uh, not necessarily Defence, but maybe the Policing Ministry, um, the Ministry of Tourism. There is something to be said about what we're hearing a lot of people in tourism are saying. There just isn't enough collaboration amongst them. So it seems like these industries are not talking to one another and perhaps that's where the gap is um in the year well i agree there's lack of collaboration but that can be changed i believe uh for the past 10 years tourism has increased its political insignificance in south africa from the year 2009 when the first ministry standalone minister of tourism was created but i believe even during the state of the nation address the engagement of tourism politically is important. We have, we actually, tourism has started to become a major issue, talking point politically. But I believe we should hit the right buttons. That means that we must continue to lobby for the things that we seek, such as open skies. That means that as many airlines should come to South Africa and drop guests here. Number two, once again, speak about open skies, we must ensure that we become the major connector in Africa. Already Kenya is giving us the trouble for our money, you know, because of the inefficiencies of SAA. So collaboration is very, very important. Countries that have got good collaboration across ministries have been able to succeed in tourism. And I think one of the greatest examples is a typical Dubai, about how Dubai has taken brick and mortar and made it sexy and made it a tourism attraction. So I believe we require a responsive government to achieve these ends. And then if a responsive government can ensure this collaboration works, then the private sector will be able to cater for the needs of tourists. So we therefore require a responsive, a responsive, responsible, and efficient government at provincial, local, and national government to achieve these ends. So 
the public service is never very, very critical for the success of the tourism industry. Hmm. Are you optimistic, Unati? <laughs> we have to be optimistic, but we don't have to be foolish about our dreams. Uh, remember that the face of poverty remains black, female, and young. And these are the people who are the first beneficiaries. Every time tourists come to our country, they get a job. They're able to change the trajectory of their life. They're able to put food on the table. They don't have to become recipients of your 350, and they don't become a burden on the state. So ensuring that tourism works is therefore my passion and my responsibility and according to be. So we will continue lobbying because we cannot just sit and fold our arms and believe everything will be all right without us making a sizable contribution to ensure that we sometimes shake the house. But obviously, my patriotism is that I must make my contribution that I don't just hope, but I become part of those that don't speak about hope, but create a direction to achieve the ends that we seek in our country. Onati, there are people who are service providers, you said yourself, to the big lodges, you know, uh, in, in, in rural areas sometimes. Um, and they are not working at the moment. Um, some of the lodges are not open anymore. Uh, they are looking maybe to, as you said, uh, 2021. What, what would you suggest those people do? You spoke about perhaps looking into their own communities and doing something there. Most of them have been out of jobs for months. You know, there's one, there's one big untapped sector called government, you know. I remember government is the biggest employer in South Africa. Mm. And each and every year, um, run about June, those who are in government will have their leave days expired. And the vast majority of South Africans who are black and in the public service will obviously participate in one form or another of a stock sale. Now, once again, I spoke about the sense that the tourism in the industry, the bad things in the minority mind. But I think the stock for the economy has got a huge, huge potential where you can say, guys, in as much as you're saving for December, January, whatever, put in an extra 100 grand. Here is a package, a prepaid package for you guys to come and enjoy our destination whether including exceeding transportation, then that becomes a, an ability for us to institutionalize the habit of taking holidays. So it's not just I'm saving stock for grocery, uh, for chalet or whatever, but then holiday consumption becomes part and parcel of the stock firm economy. Mm-hmm. So I believe these companies should start to look in a different way. Adversity is a great time for thinking outside of the mm-hmm. box. Mm. And I believe that public service, right now a lot of jobs have been lost in the private sector and all of that. So public service is still quite stable, you know, but I believe this is a quite an untapped market. These people that they leave, their leave days, they tell them in HR, take it or leave it, you know, before the person got 20 days, they don't know what to do. But we have not spoken to them. We have not taken them and converted them. Instead of a person who we find them in December at their house, they've got 25 king, um, um, mayonnaise. No, they would have taken that money, <laughs> gone on a holiday, come back recuperated. <laughs> you, know? you know, they come back recuperated, and then they, 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 it becomes a habit. Then, I mean, the children start to enjoy this. So now they become now what you call a sizable mess of uh, 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 people who go and consume tourism. Because we have to build that culture. 
And remember that culture has got also social, it's got uh, uh, social benefits, you know, health benefits. You go on holiday, you know, and then that, that improves your quality of life, mm. standard of living. Yeah. And it's always lovely talking to you, uh, a lot to reflect on. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for your contribution, Unati Hemana. Hemana uh, Nama is a tourism lecturer at the Tswani University of Technology. And we're just reflecting on how the tourism industry is doing at the moment.